In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Let us read some verses from the letter of St. Paul to the Philippians, chapter 2, starting from verse 14. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God, without fault, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Grace of God the Father be with all of us. Amen. St. Paul here is saying, we as Christians in our life, we should do everything in our life without complaining and disputing. Without complaining and disputing. Complaining became a very common thing in our life. People are not patient anymore. People cannot endure or put up with each other anymore. Everything, actually, we like to complain about. Complain about weather. Complain about work. We complain about politics. We complain about families. Children complain about parents. Parents' children complain about children. People complain about clergy. Clergy complain about people. So complaining became a very common aspect in our life. And also disputing. And St. Paul is saying, do all things without complaining and disputing. Disputing means arguing. All of the time we argue. If somebody said something, I dispute it, I argue. And St. Paul said, when you do all things without complaining and disputing, there are five blessings, actually. Number one, that you may become blameless. That you may become blameless. Number two, harmless. Number three, children of God. Number four, without fault. And number five, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. So when we stop complaining, we'll be blameless, harmless, children of God, without fault, and also like the light shining in the world. Also, in first. Corinthians chapter 10, he was speaking about the Old Testament. And starting from verse 6, he said, Now these things became our examples. What happened in the Old Testament became our examples. To the intent that we should not lust after evil things, as they also lusted. Then he told us four things 
we should abstain completely from them. Number one, do not become idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Number two, nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 fell. Number three, nor let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. Number four, nor complain, nor complain, as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. So he highlighted four major sins in the life of the people in the wilderness of Sinai. Number one, worshiping of idols. Number two, sexual immorality. Number three, tempting Christ. And number four, complaining. And here you can see how equalized complaining with tempting Christ, with sexual immorality, and with worshiping idols. Because if you remember, when the people were in the wilderness of Sinai, they complained about everything. They complained that why they left the land of Egypt. And they asked Aaron to do calf from uh, gold and lead them back to the land of Egypt. They were not appreciative of what God had done for them, but they were always, always complaining. As I said, unfortunately nowadays, complaint became our life style. But some people will ask and will say, should we be silent when we see something negative? Uh, there are things that bothers us. How we should react to this. There is difference between complaining and actually positively criticizing a situation in a constructive way to edify it. So the Lord Jesus Christ, for example, when he entered the temple and he found people buying and selling, he was not silent. But he used this opportunity to teach the people a lesson. My house is a house of prayer, and you make it den of thieves. And in another situation, he told them, don't make my father's house a house of merchandise. So we should not be silent when we see something wrong. But how to address it? and how to speak about it in a constructive way, this actually is very, very important. And we need to take from the Lord Jesus Christ the example, how he dealt with people when he saw something wrong. Actually, he took every opportunity to edify the people and to teach the people. For example, when he saw 
in the Gospel of Vespers right now, when he saw the people criticizing this woman who poured a fragrant oil on his head, he actually, in, in a very positive way, he told them what she did, she did for my burial. She did something good. Why you are criticizing her? And then he told them, wherever the gospel is preached, then what this woman had done for me will be mentioned in the whole world. And he confronted them. You criticize her because you care about money, not you care about the poor, because the poor with you all the time. But Judas Iscariot, who started this actually, was the treasurer, and that's why he cared about stealing this money, because he was a thief, a robber. So the Lord, without pointing out Judas, but he told them, the poor are with you all the time. But she did a good thing. Why are you uh, rebuking her? Whatever she did for me, it will be mentioned in the whole world. So when the Lord saw something wrong, he was not silent. He corrected it, but he corrected in a positive. There are different types of complainers. The first type is the perfectionist. The perfectionist will never be happy, and he expects to see everything 100% perfect. That's why the perfectionist is a complainer, because all the time he expects from himself and from others to be perfect. And when he sees any project, the first thing actually he will look at it not the achievement of this project, but he will look at what is negative, what was done wrong, because he's a perfectionist. And usually the perfectionists are not happy with their performance or with the performance of others. St. Paul, in uh, the letter to Philippians chapter 3, starting from verse 12, he said, not that I have already attained or am already perfected. So St. Paul knows nobody, nobody will be absolutely perfect. God is the only one who is absolutely perfect. And nobody will be perfected. Nobody can say, I attained. But St. Paul explained what is the right attitude. I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward course of God in Christ Jesus. I remember the servants who are serving in the bishopric of youth with his grace, Bishop Musa, told me this story. When the youth conferences started maybe about 
30 years ago or a little bit more. So the first youth convention they did, they, it was very unorganized. Everything actually was not good in it. And after the youth convention, His Grace Bishop Musa gathered all the servants actually to have a meeting with them. And he told me, we went to this meeting expecting to be reprimanded by His Grace Bishop Musa. But instead, he told them, you have done a wonderful job. Thank you so much for all your effort. And he encouraged all of them. And they told him, Sayyidna, everything was not organized. He told them, no, you did your best. Next year will be better. And the year after will be better. And so on. It is your first convention you ever do. So this is a great achievement. And next one will be better. By these words of encouragement, he was able actually to motivate them. And the following year was better and better. And now the youth convention is spread all over the world that started in the bishopric of youth in, in Egypt. Now it's all over the world. And this first seed was planted by his grace Bishop Moses. If he reprimanded them and he complained about their bad performance, maybe we, don't, we nowadays or these current days we wouldn't have all these youth convention all over the world. But Bishop Musa followed the teaching of St. Paul, which is, I forget those things which are behind, reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal. I know St. Paul here is speaking about spiritual life, but we can apply it in every aspect in our life. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, and St. Paul differentiated between people who are mature and people who are perfectionist. Those who are mature, they actually have this mind, as St. Paul said, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. Which mind? That nobody is perfect. But every day, every year, every week, every month, we can improve. Nobody is perfect. Let us forget what's behind and press forward to what is ahead of us. But St. Paul in verse 15 continues, And if in anything you think otherwise, you think you can be perfect, God will reveal to you that this thought that you can make anything absolutely perfect is not in your ability. Because nobody is absolutely perfect except God. That is the first type of complainers. The second type of complainers, what we call pessimistics, usually they have negative expectations of everything. And we have the example in book of Ecclesiastes chapter 1. Of course, King Solomon, who wrote this, is, is writing this book to teach us. So I'm not saying that uh, King Solomon was pessimistic. No, I'm not saying this. 
but he wrote this to teach us through this book. But let us see what he wrote in chapter 1, verse 12. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 12. He said, I, the preacher, was king over Israel in Jerusalem. And I set my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all that is done under heaven. This burdensome task God has given to the sons of men by which they may be exercised. So think here about his perception. His perception that what God has done for us is burdensome task. And God has given to us. Again, these are not the perception of uh, King Solomon. But King Solomon is saying some of us perceive that when God created us, he created us to suffer. This burdensome task God has given to the sons of man by which they may be exercised. Taban exercised Arabi. ليعانوا فيه يعني ليعانوا من تصفر بالإنجليزي مكتوب إكسرسايز بس بالعربي ليعانوا يعني من كلمة عناء هو عناء رديء جعله الله لبن البشر ليعانوا فيه يعاني من المعاناة suffering so as if God created the world for us to suffer and then verse 14 I have seen all the works that are done under the sun and indeed all is vanity and grasping of the wind. What's crooked cannot be made straight, and what's lacking cannot be numbered. بالعربي الأعوج لا يمكن أن يقوم. فيش فايدة فيه. فيش فايدة فيه. والنقص لا يمكن أن يجبر. فيش فايدة. Some people actually have this perception. We call it negative interpretation. They have negative interpretation of everything. For example, especially in, in, in family problems, they come and we talk to them and we give them exercise. And before they leave, one of them, they say, I don't think this is going to work. Why this negative perception from the beginning? Where is hope? And hope in God, not in, in people. God who changed the heart of St. Paul. God who changed St. Moses the Black. God who changed, transformed St. Baisa. God who changed St. Mary of Egypt. Why? Why we have this perception that what's crooked cannot be made straight and what's lacking cannot be numbered? Why? We need actually to have hope in God and trust in God. We say in the litany for the sick, uh, the hope of the hopeless and the help of the helpless. Last Sunday, the gospel of uh, raising Lazarus from the dead. It's a hopeless case. He was in tomb for four days. Nobody would believe that he would be raised from the dead. But the Lord Jesus Christ was able to raise him from the dead. Why you are hopeless? Why you have this negative interpretation of every situation we think negatively about it? That's actually not right and will make 
other people actually uh, in no win situation because if they did it this way you will negatively criticize it. if you do it this way they also uh, they negatively criticize it the third type actually is the sarcasm people make sarcastic comments uh, and this sarcasm actually uh, make the, 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 the listeners not motivated totally discouraged so why why this actually sarcasm that puts the other down and not encourage them ده ربنا قال لنا فتيلة مدخنة لا يطفئ وقصب مردودة لا يقصف So where is the encouragement and, and many people very very harsh in their sarcasm and now actually unfortunately many people use this negativity and they spread it all over the whole world you know through social media and this make actually the, the, the any issue bigger and bigger and bigger because now the whole world uh, knew about it. This again type of uh, complaining is not helpful at all. Especially people they think they are funny and the mum khafif when they speak uh, they actually use these sarcastic comments but they are not because when you put others down, when you discourage the people, you are not following the style and the footsteps of our Lord Jesus Christ, who was actually encouraging every single person. And the last type, the whiner, those who actually, from early in the morning until they sleep, they complain about everything. When they woke up in the morning, they complain about children. And they, just early in the morning, you hear screaming and yelling in the house. Children woke up. And when you meet with these people, actually, you don't know what to tell them. All the time they are complaining. They are not happy. And when actually you ask them, why are you complaining? They tell you this answer. When things get better, we will stop complaining. When things get better, we will stop complaining. And they don't know that the opposite is true. What do you mean the opposite is true? Actually, when they stop complaining and start giving thanks to God and be grateful, things will get better. Then, in our mind, that when things get better, we will stop complaining. But it is exactly the opposite. Actually, when become grateful, thankful, and we stop complaining, things will get better. It's not the opposite. The atmosphere of complaining 
is a very negative and destructive atmosphere. There is no edification in such atmosphere. But when the atmosphere is thanksgiving, gratefulness, appreciation, encouragement, everyone in this atmosphere, he will actually grow and improve. But in the atmosphere that is completely negative, everyone will be discouraged. In parenting, sometimes we believe that when we harshly criticize our children, we make them better. No, you make them worse. You make them worse. Encourage them. Encourage them. And they will be better. I remember a story his Holiness Pope Shenouda shared with us. He was a teacher before joining the monastery. And one charismatic like Pope Shenouda as a teacher, definitely he is very, very charismatic also as a teacher. So there was a student that he used to give him tutorial classes. And Sayyidna did his best with this student. And when he gave him the first exam, the student failed. So he said, I'll give him another chance. So after a second chance, and after spending maybe one month or two months with this student, he failed the second exam. And he failed the third exam. So after three exams, Sayyidina al-Baba al you know what? Go find another teacher. I'm not going to give you tutorial anymore. I, I did my best with you for six months, and uh, you are still failing the exam. So Sayyidina al-Baba al this student actually taught me a lesson. And also, I was a teacher, but he taught me a lesson. He told him, why you are giving up on me? The first exam I failed because of 10 mistakes. Second exam I failed because of 6 mistakes. Third exam I failed because of 2 mistakes. So I'm improving. I'm improving under 0, but I'm improving. So Sayyidina al-Baba al-Anat from this student, Inana, even if a person is improving under 0, but he's improving, and I should encourage this student I should not give him a message, I give up on you, go find somebody else. In spiritual life, we as clergy, when somebody comes to us like in confession, broken and under the heaviness of sin, we should be encouraging, we should be motivating this person. In the atmosphere of encouragement and love and uh, not complaining, rather uh, appreciation, even if there is a little improvement. This actually will be very helpful in the transformation of the person. And we have the story of the Samaritan woman. The Lord actually found something to tell her, bravo, when he told her, go and get your husband. And she told him, I have no husband. So he told him, you said this truthfully. And he encouraged her twice. He told her in the beginning, you have said this truthfully, 
And at the end of the sentence, he told her, you have said this truthfully. And in between, he did not tell her, you are living in adultery. No, but rather he told her, and the man with whom you are living now is not your husband. In a very gentle and a loving and encouraging way. That's why this woman turned to be a preacher. And she went and preached to her city. We need to remember this. When we stop complaining, things will get better. But when we continue to complain, things will get worse. What about how we deal with complainers? And the first part, if we are the complainers. But what about how to deal with the complainers? Again, we have in the scripture uh, lessons how the Lord Jesus Christ dealt with the complainers. And there are actually five types of people who came to the Lord Jesus Christ complaining about others. Let us see how the Lord dealt with each one of these five groups. The first group actually people who complained about fortunate people when who believe that somebody is better than me or he is treated better than me and who complain like in John chapter 21 the gospel of John chapter 21 after the restoration of St. Peter so the Lord said to St. Peter in verse 18 most assuredly I say to you when you were younger you girded yourself and walked where you wished but when you are old you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish and St. John explained this he spoke signifying by what death he would glorify God and when he had spoken this he said to him, follow me. So the Lord Jesus Christ explained to Peter that he will stretch his hand and that's how he will die. So he will die crucified. That's what the Lord actually explained to St. Peter. Peter perceived that John is closer to the Lord Jesus Christ than himself. So verse 20, then Peter turning around saw the disciples whom Jesus loved following who also had leaned on his breast at the supper and said, Lord, and, and John said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? Peter, seeing him, seeing John, said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? As if Peter is saying to God, we know that you love John. What about John? How he would die? He would die like us. He will be martyred. Or you're going to save him from death because you love him. That's complaining about fortune. And see how the Lord responded to Peter. In verse 22, Jesus said to him, If I will that we remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. As if the Lord told him, it's not your business. Why are you asking about John? Are you jealous? Are you jealous that John maybe I will spare him from death, from being martyred? What about 
if you will not die at all, is this going to bother you? Just you follow me. So here, the Lord Jesus Christ never gave the complainer the satisfaction he was looking for. He never gave the complainer the satisfaction he was looking for. That's why St. Peter said in his first letter, chapter 4, verse 15, he said, But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as busybody in other people's matters. And I want you to see how he put busybody here in the same rank like murderer, thief, evildoer. Because when he asked about John, the Lord told him, it's not your business. Why you are you asking about John? What if I allow John to live until my second coming? Is this going to bother you? It shouldn't. You just follow me. So here, when the people complain to the Lord about fortunate people, the Lord actually was very sharp. He never gave them the satisfaction they were looking for. The same we can find it in Matthew 20, from verse 20 to 28. You know the, the story when the mother of John and, and James went to the Lord Jesus Christ and said to him, I want my two sons to sit one on your right hand and one on your left hand. And this provoked jealousy among the disciples, as we read in Matthew 20, verse 24. And when the ten heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. So how the Lord told them that Lord did not actually give them the satisfaction. He didn't tell them, you know what, they will not sit on my right hand or my left hand. But he told them, he called to himself the disciple and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. You're wrong. If you start to feel jealous, you're wrong. Whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. The second group, people complain to the Lord Jesus Christ about insensitive people. Insensitive people. So the first group, they complain about fortunate people. Second group, about insensitive people. The first common example is in Luke chapter 10, when Martha complained about Mary. Verse 40, But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. So even she attacked the Lord Jesus Christ. She told him, don't you care? And she gave order to the Lord, tell her. Therefore, tell her to help me. How the Lord replied to this. I'm sure if the same situation happened with one of us, maybe you would say, Mary, go help your sister Martha. She has a lot of work. So just to to let her be silent instead of she's complaining, go just and help her and let us finish or get done with this. But the Lord did not do this with her. 
He said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. She complained about Mary, my sister has left me to serve alone. She complained about her. And again, we can see here how the Lord did not give Martha satisfaction that she was looking for. More than this, he did not allow Martha to persist in her complaining against Mary. Actually, in a way, he reprimanded Martha for working in the wrong time, as if he turned the table on Martha and told her, it is not Mary who is wrong, it is you who are wrong. And he told her, actually, you need to be like Mary because one thing is needed. And Mary made the right choice. And this right choice will not be taken away from her. So we can see here in this example that the Lord, number one, did not give the complainer the satisfaction he was looking for. He did not allow the complainer to persist in his complaining. And actually, he reprimanded Martha or exposed Martha's weakness in order to lead her to repentance and to know that one thing is needed. The same situation actually in John chapter 5, the paralytic man who was at the pool, Berkat Hazda. The Lord asked him a very simple question. As we read in John chapter 5, verse 6, do you want to be made well? And this type of question, we call it yes or no questions. Do you want to be made well? The answer, yes or no. But this person was a complainer. Look at his answer. The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I'm coming, another steps down before me. He was complaining. The answer is very simple. Yes, I want to be made well, or no, I don't want to be made well. And if you analyze this actually answer, can you believe a person for 38 years did not have anyone to help him. It's not logical. So either one of two things. Either this person is not saying the truth, that he has no one to put him in the pool, or maybe when somebody comes to help him, he is actually pushing them away. Some people, when you go and help them, by their attitude, they push people away. And at the end they complain, nobody helps me. Nobody helps you, not because people are not willing to help you, but because of your attitude. If you change attitude, you'll find 100 persons helping you. So this man was complainer. That's why the Lord told him, sin no more lest you suffer worse things. Sin more lest a worse thing come upon you. Again, the Lord did not address this complaint at all, but told him, rise, carry up your bed and walk, and sin no more, lest worse thing come upon you. The third group, people complain about unspiritual people. 
What do you mean unspiritual people? When we feel we are righteous or more righteous than others. So we complain about people whom we feel they are not as spiritual as us. Like again in the Gospel of Vespers tonight, when Judas Iscariot and all the disciples complained about this woman who poured the fragrant oil, they consider themselves more righteous and they care more about the poor, more than this woman. And the Lord actually defended this woman, which actually you can see something else the Lord did in this example. He never gave a complainer the satisfaction they were looking for, never allowed the complainer to persist in their complaining, and also the Lord never tolerated excessive ripping apart of the character of another person. He did not allow them to speak negatively about this woman, but rather he praised her. And in addition, actually, he exposed their weakness and he told them, the poor always with you. Why are you complaining? What she did was something good she did with them. Another example about people complaining about unspiritual people, actually when the Pharisees complained about Jesus' disciples in Luke chapter 5, verse 30, and their scribes and Pharisees complained against his disciples, saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And the Lord answered and told them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So again, we, we find here the Lord Jesus Christ did not give them the satisfactions they were looking for. The Lord actually answered them and stopped, did not allow them to persist in their complaining. He did not actually tolerate excessive ripping apart of the character of his disciples. And also he exposed their weakness, helping them to repent or leading them to repent. The first group, so number one, the fortunate people, number two, insensitive people, number three, unspiritual people. The fourth group, the outsiders, outsiders. In Luke chapter 9, verse 49 and 50, now John answered and said, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and who forbade him because he does not follow with us. But Jesus said to him, do not forbid him, for he who is not against us is on our side. John here was very zealous for the Lord. And when he saw people casting out demons, although in the name of Christ, but not following them, he considered him outsider. So we forbade him because he does not follow with us. He's not one of the twelve. But the Lord taught him to accept everyone, and he gave him a very beautiful rule. He who is not against us 
is on our side. As long as people don't attack our faith, don't attack our doctrine, don't attack our church, don't attack our beliefs, then they are on our side. Whether by they come to this particular church or that church or that church, I'm not speaking about denominations here, because denominations are against us in doctrine and beliefs. But I'm speaking about certain cities when there are more than one Coptic church in the same city. When, for example, some families start to go to another church, and not our church, we get mad and we get upset. Why they are relocating? Why they don't come to our church? Why they go to this church? And sometimes we take stand against them. Why is that? Why then? But because you don't follow us, because you don't come to our church, that's not right. Another example about the outsiders, these people were not actually even believers. The same chapter, Luke chapter 9, starting from verse 51. Now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face. And as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. And when his disciples James and John saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? But he turned and rebuked them and said, You don't know what manner of spirit you are of, for the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. So here they said the Samaritans rejected you, did not believe in you, want to do like Elijah, to ask for fire to come from heaven, to burn them, to destroy them. But this time, it's time of salvation. If you see somebody rejecting Christ, instead of making him an enemy to you, try to pray for him. Think how to bring him to Christ, how to save him. Sometimes I see dispute between different denominations or different religions, and people attack each other in a very harsh way, very ungodly way. So how can we represent the Christ? While we are doing this, this is not a representation of Christ. And this time is not time of condemnation. It's time of salvation. So the Lord Jesus Christ did not tolerate people complaining about outsiders. And the last group, people who complained about wicked people. So maybe I can justify myself in complaining about people who are really evil and wicked. And the best example is in John chapter 8, when actually they complained about this woman caught in action. And by the way, most of the fathers said, when they brought this woman to Christ, she did not repent yet, for three reasons. Number one, she was in action, so she did not have time to repent. Number two, usually the Lord says, your sins are forgiven you. 
but he did not say this to this woman. And number three, the Lord usually says, go in peace, but he did not say, go in peace to this woman. So this woman actually did not repent. Or when they brought her to the Lord Jesus Christ, at this moment, she did not repent. She was not repentant. But the Lord, what did he do? He defended her. Not her sins, but her as a person. And told them, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. Everyone left. The Lord looked at her and told her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. So here, a very good example about how the Lord defended even the sinners in order to give them a chance to repent, in order to give them a chance to return back to God. And who knows, maybe this woman, when she experienced this love of Christ toward her, she repented and returned back to God. What about Pontius Pilate? People complain to the Lord Jesus Christ about Pontius Pilate. And the Lord, in his foreknowledge, he knew that Pontius Pilate actually will judge him to be crucified. But in Luke chapter 13, there were present at that season, verse 1, some who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. So people were sitting, talking. So they said to the Lord, did you hear about what Pilate had did to the Galileans? He actually, while they were offering these sacrifices, he killed them. So the blood of the Galileans were mingled with the blood of their sacrifices. And as you know, Jesus grew in Nazareth of Galilee. So he's a Galilean. In a way, this can trigger his anger. So the Lord did not condemn the Pontius Pilate. But he told them, and Jesus answered and said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were worse sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. So he told them, instead of judging Pontius Pilate, or judging these Galileans as worse sinners. No. Try to get a lesson. Learn a lesson. These Galileans were not worse sinners than all other Galileans. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. So if we analyze the style of the Lord Jesus Christ, how he dealt with the complainers, we find five things. He did with all the complainers. Number one, he never gave the complainer the satisfaction he was looking for. Number two, he never allowed the complainer to persist in his complaining. Number three, the Lord never tolerated excessive complaining about any person, even the ungodly. Number four, many times, the Lord exposed the weaknesses of the complainer himself, as if he is telling them, 
before you remove the speck from your brother's eye, remove the beam from your own eye. And last thing, he issued a spiritual warning to the complainer himself, as he told them, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. So that is how the Lord Jesus Christ dealt with the complainer. Last thing I like to say here, complaining is making accusations about others. Whether these accusations are true or false, but this is complaining. And do you know who has the title of accuser in the Bible? It is Satan. Satan is called the accuser, al-mushtaki. In the book of Revelation, chapter 12, Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren, who accused them before our God day and night, has been cast down. لأنه قد طرح المشتكي على إخواتنا الذي كان يشتكي عليهم أمام إلهنا نهارا وليلا So people actually who like to complain all the time all the time they liken themselves to the devil who is actually making accusation day and night before God for others So let us actually learn how to stop complaining and be grateful, be thankful, and be appreciative. Then actually, those about whom we complain in this atmosphere of positivity, atmosphere of love and encouragement, they will change and they will be transformed. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.